Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, everyone loves a good story. And we all enjoy taking a break from reality, just relaxing, being absorbed into a story that provides that feel-good sense of everything works out in the end, right? How much more when we can spend our time with our children and get the whole family immersed into the story, especially stories that keep their imagination going and still provides insight into godly living without hitting them over the head with the Bible, right? Uh, Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. You know what I'm talking about. My guest today has been able to bridge that gap and has found that he not only has helped his children discover the the greatness of God in their life, but he's helping countless families to discover and to hold on to their faith, even in these troubling times we live in today. Amen. Alan Brocken, he started to create imaginary stories for his small children that involved their own stuffed animals. But he wanted to create stories that would reinforce God's goodness as well, his his protection and provision in in such a way that his children could easily understand and receive that seed into their hearts so the Lord could take it and grow as they grew up as well. He has a series called Towers of Light that has five books in this series right now. And folks, you need to check these books out, right? I know you're going to get a lot out of this interview. Let's just jump into it. Help me welcome the program, Alan Brocken. Alan, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Well, I just feel blessed for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Amen. Now, first question I always start with, other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Alan Brocken? Well, so in my words, maybe I would go on and on and on, but but my, <laughs> what my kids call me is they say I'm the cool dad that everybody's talking about. <laughs> and that's not because I was sort of what you'd call a, what do I want to say, a, 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 you know, loose parent, right? Like we, we had rules in our house and we followed God and we, we, you know, taught good morals, but I always try to have fun whenever possible with my kids. And, and I've been known to be a little extra, like just everything goes up just a notch, you know? So when it came to doing homeschool science projects, we might do something like, what's the optimum number of Mentos you put in a Diet Coke to have it explode? That would be a great, great experiment at my house. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So when, let's just say, how did you come to the idea of writing these books? I mean, what was your purpose in this? Well, I got to say it was, it actually came out of a real struggle. So in, in the, like 2008, 2009, I got a new job and I was traveling for work four days a week. Hmm. And this was grueling. This was like, you get up in the morning and you're flying somewhere and then you're working late at night. And um, I don't know if you know this, but men just have less words than women. That's like a (laughs) biological fact. It's something. And so I would get to the end of the day and I had used up all my words. 
And I would call home and they go, Daddy, what'd you do today? And I got nothing for them. I, like, because on the one hand, I was just out of words. But on the other hand, did they really want to understand about RSA 2048-bit encryption? Like, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't, and, and I was stuck and I felt horrible. I mean, I can remember many nights I was just wrecked because I was trying to do right by my family to provide them a better life. But at the same time, I was, I was missing a connection. And so one day as we were, you know, on one of these phone calls, one of my kids said something about their stuffed animal, you know, their, their stuffed animal meow meow did a thing like they were making up a little story in their own head. And so then I just go, well, and then what happened? And then they kind of went on and I just kept doing that. Right. And so what would have been maybe a two minute conversation? Cause I didn't have any words. Cause I added the four words, kept going and going. And finally, you know, it, it, it was fun. Amen. And that worked for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> And then one day they said, no, daddy, you tell me what happened. Uh-oh. And then I was, I was sunk again. Right. Like my, my, my whole thing was kind of a mess. So the next morning I was in my devotions and I was working through A.W. Tozer's pursuit of God, which is just hard theological stuff. It was, but, but there was this thing about the Holy spirit he was talking about. And I was like, I really like a way to share that with my kids you know, take some of these deeper things. How do I share that and solve my, my, I don't have words problem. And so I just wrote a few notes. And as I was writing those notes down in the evenings, I started to tell my kids stuff. And at first it was horrible. Like they're like, daddy, I don't understand. That's horrible. You know, whatever. Like it didn't work. It took, took a long time to get there. But eventually I had this, this sort of allegorical tower of light, which was sort of, we, we built a fort in our yard and that's kind of where that idea of a tower came from. Um, and then as, as, as it developed, you know, their, their stuffed animals had special powers and, and then we brought in the armor of God and just started to overlaying, you know, good biblical foundations with, you know, fantastic things Amen. that happened to try to make something. And then I grew up in the Midwest, just ensconced with, um, say frontier life. And so a lot of this was very little house on the prairie. As some people say, it's little house on the prairie meets wing feather saga, right? Like, so you've got the fantasy, but, but tough elements, right? I I like to say, when I I explain to people, my writing style, God is not a cosmic bending machine. Just because you pray for something doesn't mean that works out. Mm-hmm. And so the kids have to wrestle with that in these stories, but that's where it came from was, was just, I was trying to reach my kids with things I knew at a level they could understand. Amen. So that's how you came up with the, the idea of the stories. What gave you the idea of putting it into book form? What was your purpose in that? Well, originally it was just to sort of have a thing for my family, right? Like we told these stories, I was writing them down and, and I was writing them down anyway, just so I, I, I could read in the evening because I couldn't remember it. I, I, my, my brain was empty. Um, but I had this manuscript then of the first story and I just sat on it for seven years. Like it just wow. sat there. Yeah. Well, someone said it was going to cost me 800 bucks for a, a, an editor, and I just didn't have like Dave Ramsey didn't that was below my Dave Ramsey line. Like I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get the eight hundred dollars in there. Um, and so finally, uh, I, we, a friend of mine said, hey, I'll edit it for you. Now, now I did not understand what writing a book is really like at the time. And so I said, great. And so I had her edit it, which was just what's known as a as a uh, a, a proofread. 
right? I mean, it was basically commas and periods and things like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a real like novel edit. Mm-hmm. And then I just threw it out on Amazon because I wanted a printed copy. And it was horrible, to be honest. It was, it was, it was bad. It was a bad story, the way it was first written. And 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 if you look on the online, if you look up Darkness Cloaks the Land, it even had a bad title. It was bad. Um, but you can find evidence of my first go. And then over time I met some editors and made it a lot better. But but it originally I just I wanted that physical thing in my hand and, yeah, and sure. thought maybe. It would be a commercial thing, but I wasn't sure. And then just over time, I just kept investing in it because I felt God was just really calling me to to put this out there because it's, to me, it's sad that we have to go back to the 1950s, you know, Chronicles of Narnia to find stuff like this that, that, that draws you back to... God, when we've got contemporary problems, contemporary things, and and contemporary language, we can do this too, you know? Amen. 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 So when you started off, did you know you're going to turn this into a series or did you just start off with one book and done? Uh, You know, what made you decide to to continue the story in in further books? Well, part of it was I, I had this thought of, you know, something episodic, like you might think of uh, Adventures in Odyssey, okay. where there were lots of towers and lots of kids all over the, the place lighting their, their light. And God willing, that's where it'll end, you know, that, that there will be lots of towers and lots of light. But this story had sort of an overall, I could see an arc that I at the beginning, and, and I laid it out in seven books was my first original arc and how it went. And then I got a bunch of advice and said, well, you should only have three because publishers don't want to have more than three. Bookstores don't want to have more than three. Do three. So I squeezed it back to three. And then I wrote the third book and it's like, no, it's got to be at least five. <laughs> and then, and then I had the five like, Plotted. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And then at the end of book four, my characters just took a left turn and I had to squeeze <laughs> another book in. So, so it's at six, this will lock in at six. And then I, I, I have another project that um, God willing will pick up after that. And it's complete, it's in the same world, but it's a different character and different stuff. Yeah. So you have all six published right now? No. So, so yeah. four are published as of today. Okay. Okay. Um, the fifth book, uh, just well, Spring of Life. This is my proof copy. Um, is uh, is available for pre-sale, and I've got like a pre-sale bundle and that kind of stuff for the yeah. first five. Okay. Um, and then basically, it'll be available November first, generally, but you can get it early off my website. But um, the the sixth book will be out next year. So, God willing, November next year, all six will be out. Um, and then we've, we were also working on sort of homeschool curriculum to go with all of it. That's what I was going to say. It's These books are designed for homeschooling your children, right? Yeah. Well, so part of my thing is I, I go back to this. What, what was my story was I needed a way to connect with my kids. And one of the things I found is, especially now with society being where it's at, we've got so many more homeschoolers than we ever had before. And we have homeschoolers that have, you know, dual income families trying to homeschool in a way that previously it was maybe more only single income families. Mm -hmm. So part of what I wanted to do was, could I put together content to support the story time that would meet an educational goal, but also like make it easy, right? So it's the idea of, 
mom or dad is spending the day at work and they're all turn, you know, they're, they're cross shifts. This happens a lot right now as we've got, you know, dad working the night shift, mom working the day shift across and they're, they're trading off homeschooling their kids just because they, they feel that that's where the gods led them. Right. So can I, can you have just something simple, like a nice workbook that you can sit down, read the story out loud to your child, have them read it out loud to you and work through this workbook in a very simple thing. And, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day to kind of get through it. But to me, it's, it's just a, a help, right? It's one of those things of how do we do this to make it easier? You can always just read the stories. They're great stories on their own. But if you want to also then add that educational component, it's something that I felt we really needed to do. Amen. Amen. So are these, are you classifying them as school books or entertainment books or both? Uh, it, they're, they're, you could totally just do it for entertainment. I mean, at the end of the day that I've got, I've got people from eight, from like five to 85 that like these stories just to read them. They're clean. I I mean, what's funny is I've got a whole band of, of followers and people that like it that are young women, 17 to 25 that just like them because they're clean with no kissing. Right. Like it's just, (laughs) it's a fantastic adventure. You know, one of my, you know, most heartfelt, uh, reviews I got an endorsement I got from another author was that I've mastered the the art of fireside storytelling. And I think that's the point, right? Like you could, and I got one of my favorite, another favorite review was we took book one and two with us on family vacation and the kids were mad because we read them in the car and we, they wanted three and we left it at home. Right. So, so there's that side of it, but again, we've got this, this help of, Hey, I want to connect or I want to get deeper into these topics. We have the unit studies to go with that. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Can you tell us about your beta readers? I found this really interesting. Oh, well, so the beta readers are super important. So I have a group of readers that are known as the light bearers and they keep me honest. (laughs) It's the only way to describe it because, um, well, There's a point in the first story, the way it was originally written, the main character, one of the main characters was super dishonest, just like flat out lied in a scenario. And when I gave it to these kids, so they were, you know, the kids are somewhere between, well, I've got one family that's like five to 18 that, and seven kids and they all read it. But, but another one of these families, I think it was their six-year-old said, Hey, they lied. The tower should have gotten darker. Because that's that's the allegory is the tower of light dims when we're dishonest, disobedient when we when we go. And I just didn't think of it. Right. Like I it didn't it didn't occur to me to put that in there like that. So, A, I changed the story a bit in how that played out. But B, that became a, a, a much more suspenseful threat throughout the story of the children's inner voice of it would be easy to be dishonest or easy to do this, do things this way. But that's wrong. And there are real consequences for that being wrong. So what do I do instead? Mm-hmm. And so, so, but I got that from the kids. Like the kids are always that. And then the other thing the kids do though, is everybody wants a dragon. I, I don't know why. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there, there's a dragon in the Bible. So um, anyway, I think, I think the net on that one is I, they will get one in book six because everyone is making me do it. Uh, but there are no dragons on the prairie. So I had to get really elaborate to figure this one out. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I, I love that story about <laughs> the little kids giving you, giving you tips on your writing. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. You got, you got to listen. You got to listen to the kids because the other thing, I mean, 
they they have found holes like just you know a five-year-old wouldn't act like that or i mean actually the best part was so typically in these middle grade stories what happens the parents disappear under mysterious circumstances and so now the kids have to do things on their own well that's it's middle grade you just have to write it that way that's how it works well then i brought mom back in book four okay and that was the hardest book to write because how do you let the kids continue to have their agency and be the heroic heroes when now the parents are there and they're more competent and they can do things and all that. And so luckily I have a couple of moms as my, my editor reader people that said, Hey, that's not how a mom would act. You need, you need, you know, because, because a lot of parents don't, what I hate about most media today is parents are e- either the bad guy, like they're just flat evil in some way to their children, or they're completely bumbling incompetence. Right. They're they're out of touch, incompetence and they're horrible. And I hate that about regular media. And so what I really wanted to do with this story was show parents that have some flaws or some challenges, because we all do. But at the same time, uplift them as people to be become right to, to be heroic, to do things that matter. And I feel like, thank God for my editors, you know, they've really helped me shape the women in the story in a way that makes sense. Amen. Amen. At what point did you realize you were really onto something that other parents wanted to pass on to their children by using your books? Um, well, I got to say, probably the, the biggest thing that happened was I had a family reach out to me that and, and just actually give me give me a donation. Like they're like, we, we believe in what you're doing so much. We want to support your ministry. And, and it wasn't, it's not really like, it's not a not-for-profit 501c3. We didn't structure it that way because we didn't want some of the, the complications you have with that with the government. We just, we felt it was cleaner to run it as just a straight up business. Mm -hmm. Um, But they just believed in it enough. And that's how we got, that's actually how we were able to produce the first unit study was that donation was enough money for me to hire the the formatters and get that put together in a nice booklet format. And so at that point we knew, yes, this is, this matters to people because people do. And, and like right now I'm working with, uh, working with a woman in Australia where it's just hard to get my books, right? Like, like it's just hard. It's expensive and it's complicated and all this. Mm -hmm. And we're working out a deal for me to get stuff to them in Australia. So, you know, when, when I got in somebody in Germany and I got somebody in the UK, you know, when, when people from around the world are reaching out to you, saying they enjoy you know you've done you're doing god's work in a good way amen amen that's great so how long does it take you to create one of these books so well the first one took you know 12 years (laughs) 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 or nine years i think it was nine years but now i have a i have a system basically in the fall i outline a, a story of you know say august to august to november i outline it then um, in uh, November, I try to write it using the NaNoWriMo, the National Novel Writing Month. Try to use that as my impetus to, to write. And then um, I, ha- I give myself from November through the middle of January to finish it, the first draft. Um, send that off to my editor. 
they they give me back a conceptual edit. This is where they look at the, the arc of the story end to end and they go, hey, this doesn't match up or maybe this is an extra thing. Like I've got a whole, in, in the latest book, Wellspring of Life, I've got a whole side story that I had to rip the entire thing out because mm-hmm. it just didn't, it didn't add to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, then basically from, so that'll come back. So first March, so March to May, I'm in my second round of edits. June, I send that off to my editor. They have another four weeks, get it back to me in July. I've got, um, I'm down to just proof type stuff, you know, commas and things like that. And then in August, I start the whole publication process of actually putting in a format, getting things like this proof copy I showed you earlier, um, you know, getting those and making sure they're, they're all ready to go. And then God willing, it, that all works. <laughs> um, and you've got November, you know, early, um, October, I've got co- physical copies I can send re- reviewers and whatnot, and then November gets launched. Amen, amen. When do your beta readers get it? They get it sometime between August and September. And so, actually, we've got a um, we got a meeting coming up in in October as sort of a celebrate launch pre launch celebration thing with the, that group. Amen, amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. I know you've been blessed and inspired by today's guest, Alan Brocken. I mean, he started to create imaginary stories around his kids' stuffed animals. I mean, every parent has done that, so his grandparents, but he used them to help develop their faith in God as well. And and as you just heard, it's ballooned up from there, amen? He took the stories he made up with his children and has now turned it into a magnificent five-part book series called Towers of Light. Glory to God. And if you have children or grandchildren, at the time of this recording, Christmas is just around the corner. What a magnificent gift to give the little ones in your life. Amen. Just drop down to the show notes right now. Click the links right there. Order your books today. Order all five in the series. Glory to God. Use them as Alan used them to develop the faith of God in the heart, the mind, and the soul of the little ones that matter in your life. Buy them for the children's ministry in your church. What a great donation that would be. Amen. Be sure to come back, though, for the conclusion of our interview in the very next episode. Till then. This Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. 
Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success. Thank you.